Hollywood Live Extra with Tanya Hart. I'm Tanya Hart. You're listening to Hollywood Live Extra. You know what? This pandemic has infected the entire world, but here in the United States, it has affected black people disproportionately on so many levels. You know, according to the Road to Zero Wealth Report, which was published way back in 2017 by Prosperity Now and the Institute for Policy Studies, the impact uh, that study showed that black Americans could fall to zero. The in, the median wealth of black Americans could fall to zero by 2053. Well, my guest today is trying to stop the free fall in black wealth as well as change the economic gap. Jay King is CEO and president of California Black Chamber of Commerce. Uh, he's been initiating deliberate measures to mitigate what, you know, we're seeing as a fallout that could take decades to recover from. Thank goodness for you, Jay King. Welcome to Hollywood Live Extra. Thank you for having me. And it's, it's good to hear your voice. You sound just as lively as ever. <laughs> well, yeah, that that's the blessing today, isn't it? We all yes, alive and so far have survived the coronavirus, as we call it here <laughs> in California. <laughs> how are you and your family, first of all? How's how you guys doing okay? Everybody's well. My daughter lives in Augusta with her mother. And so, you know, they haven't uh they have social distance. Um and they mm-hmm. even though the state is starting to open up, they still continue to to follow their own protocol of social distancing, which Good. I think is smart. Um, Very smart. I have a, yeah, I have a son in Florida, and uh, he also continues to follow uh, with his family. And he's my, he's my only child with children. Uh, he's married mm-hmm. three three children, mm-hmm. and they. Um, my granddaughter, my oldest granddaughter, she just graduated from high school and going to college, and so they're having wow. to get together for her. But it's only. 12 to 15 of us, just close family. And then mm-hmm. my son, Jay, who lived in L.A., close by me um, when I'm there, he um, is a police in Simi Valley. So they're all safe, and brothers and sisters, everybody's fine. Good. Well, wow. Well, you're blessed with a big family like that, and, and the, the blessing yes. is that everybody's doing well, because as we know, uh, you know, everything always hits us harder than, than most people in the world, and the pandemic has not been any different. You have been uh, CEO and president of the Black Chamber of Commerce here uh, since, what, 2000, and this is fairly new, 2019, right? Yes, only, not even a year yet. It'll be a year in June. Um, Aubrey Stone, who was his longtime president, was president for 25 years. In 2018, right. uh, the beginning of the, uh, 2018, he um, was um, diagnosed with terminal cancer. And the oh. unfortunate part is that, um, like most of our organizations, they don't always run properly. So by the time uh, he passed on, it was in December of 18, and a, a, a fight erupted between old board members and the current board members and the old board members tried to take over the chamber and um it just didn't work and eventually i was elected by the board to become the president i worked uh for the radio we had a rate we have a radio station kdee and i really helped mm-hmm. develop the radio station i was a volunteer there and um and so um because of my relationship with the chamber with the community and the work I did around the state, um, and and they couldn't pay anybody, so I didn't right. need money, and so I stepped in and said, "Look, 
you guys don't have to pay me. Let me generate my income. Let me go and make business for the chamber, which is what I've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you stepped in at quite an unfortuitous time, so you thought, and then the pandemic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so good Lord. Um, what are we going to do? You know, I keep. It, it's like it's unbelievable that. 2053, which is not that far from now, mm-hmm. that we could be looking at a situation where black people have no wealth. I, I, you know, I came out of Boston, what, some 30 years ago uh, when I came to L- L.A. for to build BET's West Coast operation. And now the wealth gap in Boston is like it's so ridiculous between black and white wealth. Mm-hmm. It's like black people, I think, earn, and I, I could be wrong. I'm not exactly correct. But it, the difference is, is like the wealth between black folks and white folks in that particular city, black people's income is worth about five or six dollars versus 200 if you're white. Right. Well, that's around the country. But let me give you some historical context to put with that. So in 1910, eight million Americans of African descent collectively owned 15 million acres in the United States in 1910. In 2020, 43 million Americans of African descent collectively own 1.2 million acres. Mm. Now, people would say that, why, why did that happen? Well, you got to remember that when we um, came out of the slavery into freedom, so to speak, and and then we were able to purchase plots of land. Uh, we purchased them oftentimes from people who were who owned us as slaves, mm-hmm. and so um, we would get the property. They would they agreed to the terms, and we would pay. And but we had no paperwork, no real agreement. It was a handshake. Because that's the way America worked, and they didn't give contracts to black people. Mm-hmm. And so here comes another generation or another generation past the initial seller of the property. And now they're saying, get off our property. And, and we're saying, no, we own this property. We paid. I paid. And, and here are my receipts. And they said, where's your contract? Because the world was changing. So all of a sudden you got folks who tended the land, who built the land up, who built beautiful crops, who took care of the soil. They, they, they're getting their property stripped away from them and there's no recourse. And then you got the Bureau of Land Management that was put in place to protect Americans of African descent from getting their land taken from them. And the Bureau of Land Management took more land from Americans of African descent or African-Americans, whatever you want to call them, black folks, than any other agency in the history of this country. So then you fast forward to World War I and on the floor of Congress, congressmen say the greatest threat to America is a Negro soldier coming back from war, believing he has the same inherent rights as a white man. This is white man country. Now this is on the floor of Congress. Mm -hmm. So that's why you can go to 1919 and look at the Red Summer, which is arguably one of the most violent summers in the history of the United States where 
riots where whites attacked blacks happened in more than 25 major cities around the United States. All Just over the, the, the money, yeah. All, well, over, no, because they wore uni- their uniform. Because if I, if I was in the army and I came back and I was eating someplace and white men came in and said, nigger, take that uniform off, take that uniform off, boy. And if he didn't, they would, they would burn him or kill him or lynch him. Hmm. And that, you know, and so this is our history. By so here we come up to World War II, and this is when the GI Bill comes into place. But it's not a federal mandate. Each state gets to control the GI Bill. 1.2 million African American men who fought in World War II were supposed to have the GI Bill at their disposal, the same as their white counterparts. Right. Well, they didn't get it. So their white counterparts, if they bought a home, became 20 times wealthier with the purchase of that home. If they went to college, because it was all free, they became 40 times wealthier. So what you'll see is that over time, this wealth gap that we're speaking of, because of the biases, the racism, the prejudice, they have cumulatively they started building that gap further and further apart. And then when you have gov- the government and the agencies that are supposed to protect the citizens of the United States going against its own citizenry, not for any other reason other than the fact that they're of a darker, of a darker skin, skin tone. <laughs> you know, so, so here we are now. So we come to this pandemic and we go to this 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 um, report and then you have to you add those things and then you add black leadership to this and the failures of black leadership I was going to say the lack thereof yes so our black leadership has failed us in a lot of ways but one of the most distinct ways that I believe black leadership has failed us is in putting us on this island that we have to be black everything has to be about black I'm in an integrated society I should act integrated. And so that means that I should be vested in the stock market mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's where fortunes are made. But not once in the history of this country have you ever had elected officials or leadership of any high profile discuss the stock market with us as a community. And if we You're absolutely were right. invested, and if we were invested in the stock market, the way we buy the goods that that are represented on the market, we change a hundred years in ten years. Because instead of just owning Apple products, we'd own Apple stock. Or instead of right. owning Nike product, we'd own Nike stock. There was a time when you could have bought Nike for eighteen cents, Apple for mm-hmm. fifty six cents. And tell them how much it costs now. What? What? I mean, Apple. Look at Apple. What is it like? Apple's almost $3, $312 a share right now. The market is open right now. So I can tell you right now. And so I I trade options. I don't just buy stocks. I also trade options. Mm -hmm. And um, so Apple right now is trading at $315.08. Right. So that's how much you would have made for your early investment. That's right. So just think about this. But Apple pays a dividend to you. So 
you get a dividend from Apple every six months. So you can you don't ever have to sell your stock. So if you bought mm-hmm. if you bought um, ten thousand shares of Apple when it was twenty eight cents, you would have spent twenty eight hundred dollars. Right. And and so Apple and that return right now. So, but Apple split eight times, six or eight times. So now your ten thousand shares would be somewhere between six thousand and eight thousand shares. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, and so I mean, I'm sorry, sixty, uh, yeah, between so, um, sixty thousand and eighty thousand shares. Eighty thousand shares, yeah. Yeah. So now you multiply that by the buck, buck fifty you get on a biannual basis. You can, that's ninety thousand. Um. That's a sixty to ninety ninety thousand every six months, or one hundred and twenty to one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year. That's a job. That is a job, yeah. and that you don't even have to work to do at the mo- at the moment. So exactly. no, you are so right. I, it's so interesting, I, you know, that we are we've taken the conversation in this direction because apparently I was going to ask you. Okay, this gap is there. It's very real. What can we do right now? to kind of make sure that we don't go to zero wealth. And you just explained it. You just Change the way we it. think. You know, so we got to change the way we think. Every Everything can't be the white man. You know, I'm not afraid of Donald Trump. As a matter of fact, I kind of appreciate Donald Trump. I've never seen a racist and a bigot so open in my life. That, that was in the White House. And so <laughs> I, respect, I respect it. I respect how open it is, you know. Um, we we get comfortable with the soft bigotry and the soft prejudice and racism of a Clinton uh, family. You know, it's okay. Or a, a Joe Biden, because it's, mm. it's more palatable. But they're more dangerous to me because we'll invite them in the house as though they, they mean something good to us. The crime bill was not good to us. No. And, and they admitted yeah. that. I mean, you know, Joe Biden admitted that. Of course he admitted it. He admitted it because he, he had, had to. to. Because politically he had, he had to. Yeah. But we have to stop being so emotional. And we have to be more pragmatic, more critical, more methodical in, in how, how we're going to move forward. And, and we have to be more selfless. Mm-hmm. Our, our communities are selfish because our leadership is selfish. When leadership will sit in a position well into their 70s and 80s and not prepare a younger person to come in with new, fresh ideas, it's why we, we're like running a marathon or running a relay race where all of the other ethnic, ethnic groups hand the baton off to somebody else. Right. We got one guy who don't want to, or one woman who who doesn't want to hand the baton off. They want to run it, the, the, the race. And so we may start off in the lead. We may start off in the lead for the first two legs. But by leg three and leg four, we're, we're, we're so far well, behind. I, I can't say that white people aren't any different because Lord knows I love her. But look how long Nancy Pelosi's been there. And I know who, who you're talking about. But, right. you know, but, but you, the, difference, you the difference is. The difference is Nancy Pelosi and white folks aren't in the same economic position, political no, position, social position that we're in. 
they can afford to do that. We can't. We don't have these are their rules. They can change rules at any time. We can't. And so they we do. Have to be, <laughs> and we have to be a lot smarter. Um, my mother told me if you're doing business and you're in a room with white folks and you're the only black person in that room, you're 10 times smarter than everybody in that room. That's the only way you're going to be equal. You got to be 10 times better to be equal. And that's how I walked in this life. You know, um, mm-hmm. I knew that if I was in the room, I was in a room because I was more than prepared. I was more than that's smart so enough. True. That's why I'm in the room. So we have to know our value, too. And that's very you know, true. We and we don't. Yeah, we don't talk about our history enough. I, I, I still do radio, even though I'm the president of the chamber. I still do radio three days a week. Every day that I'm on the radio, I talk about our history because we get mad at white folks for not knowing our history. But we don't get mad at us for not knowing our history. Very true. I want to get back, though, because we, we're looking at all of this money that people are. Uh, well, not, it's not a, it's not nearly enough, but the federal government is doling out money to businesses. Yes. That's what we're talking about. Um, so are black people getting access to this money? Black businesses that you can tell? Um, yeah, yeah, is there any the, way of the, tracking the top five percent do because they. Are, because 95% of African-American small businesses have no employees. So the payment protection plan um, doesn't apply to them because they're sole proprietorships and they don't have a, mm-hmm. a payment system that uh, a third party payment system that pays out for them. So mm-hmm. they don't qualify. Um, and th- again, I go back to our leadership. We have the Congressional Black Caucus where $2.2 trillion was put on the table and what the Congressional Black Caucus guaranteed for African-American small business people nationwide for the 2.6 million small businesses that exist in this country was $10 million in grant money. So $10 million in grant money for 2.6 million African-American businesses if spread across equally would be less than $4 per business. I was going to say that's nothing. That's nothing. Mm-hmm. So, so, so two so we're things. At the table, <laughs> but we're not asking. Yeah, yeah I was going to say you got you got to ask, and and then that begs the question: What is the Black Congressional Caucus doing? What? How did that even happen? And where does that leave us? And well, you know, Na- where does Nancy that leave Pelosi, us? Nancy Pelosi controls what the Congressional Black Caucus does. She she told them not to go meet with Donald Trump. And so they didn't. She told them not to comply, so they don't. And my deal is this. Um, anytime somebody wants to talk to me that I have a disagreement with and um, and they have some power, I'm going to sit down with them. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, whether I like Donald Trump's optics or not, if I, if, you know, he's got a 10-point plan for black America most people don't even know about. And the reason why we don't know about it is because our leadership won't even sit down with him. And my deal is, hey, if he got a 10-point plan, why aren't we trying to make sure that we get some of this plan on the table for our community? So we have to change the way we think as a community. We have to get involved. We have to be voters. 
we we have yes. political equity that we don't that that we don't cash in on. Um, our communities are suffering. We're worse off today than we were in 1969. So here we are. We've been rolling with the Democrats for, for you know for all this time. Mm-hmm. And if you just take from 1969 to today, and you go in our communities, our communities aren't safe. We don't even if we have any type of influence or, or affluence, we don't want to live in a black community because we we're afraid of it. We um, support mm-hmm. organizations like um, uh, uh, Black Lives Matter when they don't even march when black people kill each other. And while I love the, the idea of black lives mattering, I'm saying we should make black lives matter no matter who's killing the black life, even especially when it's us. Especially, I was going to say, you know what? 35 years ago, I did a docu-series on black-on-black crime for NBC. That was 35 years ago when I was first getting in this business. Mm-hmm. And and it's worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's worse. It's worse now than it was then. Jay, I know we got to let you go, but uh, I just want... What you said earlier about the stock market and people thinking differently about money is that the way if if we could get together a collective group of you know we've always had our little groups of investors and like a lot of women get together we have our investment groups and stuff like that but if we could somehow get a national investment group together which i know is not easy and start really looking at the stock market stock market and working it the way our counterparts do can we close that gap absolutely not only could we close it we would change the way the world saw us. We would change the value of who we are in this country. The value of us would change immediately and immensely. But what it requires is for us to believe that we deserve it. See, I don't expect anybody else to believe it if we don't. I don't expect anybody else to fight for it if we don't. I don't, you know, and, and, and the beauty is that what you're asking for on a national level, if we do it on a, a, a community level, through osmosis, it turns national. We yes, started off true. with a group of, t- of 10 or 15 of us that are now over 100 of us. And now people in Alaska, people in Texas, people in Oklahoma, people in Georgia, they all tune into our, um, we do financial literacy. I do a financial literacy course every first and third Wednesday of every month. And, you know, and that's why we did the, you know, everybody pitch in campaign. There are 2.3 million African-Americans in California. If we all pitched in $5 to to help African-American small businesses, we'd generate $11.5 million by putting in $5. Just imagine if we put $5 a month in, 2.3 million African-Americans, if we put in $5 a month into a fund, We'd have over $130 million a year discretionary that we could help other businesses with, that we could help our young people with, that we can help pay college tuition with. And if we had done that for the last five years and then this pandemic hit, we'd have over half a billion dollars or close to a a billion dollars in dollars that we could have just had for ourselves. But again, it takes for for forward thinking and we have to divorce ourselves from the conditions that we've been bathed in from a mental standpoint. Well, Jay, I've got to tell you something. I'm counting on you and your your uh, new position with the California Black Chamber of Commerce as CEO 
to get, you know, California always leads the way, it seems, these days. And um, it sounds like that's what you are doing. Let let me know personally and let us know here at AURN what you need for us to do to get this initiative going because you're so right. You know, $5 adds up to 10 real easily and then it's 15 and it's 20 and we would not be in this position but we got we've got to change the wealth gap like now. We've got to. So I'm counting so on you, Jay. Well, this is what I need people to do. I need people to go to gofundme.com and then when they go to gofundme.com type in everybody pitch in and then you'll see we're the first campaign that's there it says california black chamber sacramento to say my name jay king it's an aqua blue kind of covering bill and if you just put in at least five dollars we you know we we start and and the only criteria that it takes for a small business in california to get this money is that they not have received any significant grant money or loan money from anybody else because if they have, then they're probably well on their way. We want to make sure that we can get as many African-American small business people, legitimate African-American mm-hmm. small business people, some relief. We're not going to make anybody whole. We're not going to make it where anybody, every bill is paid. But what we are going to do is give them some relief, give them some breathing room so that they can build up their muscle and, um, you know, and, and move forward and move forward. Thank you so much for all you've done. Uh, we're going to continue to follow up with this. Everybody, you're listening to Hollywood Live Extra. Uh, my guest today has been Jay King. He, of course, is the CEO and president of the California Black Chamber of Commerce. They're doing some really good things. Don't forget to do what Jay suggested. Go to GoFundMe and uh, go to the California Black Chamber of Commerce. No, $5 everybody is nothing. Everybody, oh, everybody, pitch in the campaign. everybody pitch in is the campaign. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. <laughs> you take care. Okay. And for everybody else out there, don't forget to download the AURN app or you can find us, Hollywood Live Extra, on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. You've got to download all of these. We've got several. We've got a whole catalog going now. They're all interesting. They're all helpful. Uh, they, the, many of them will help you get through your current difficult times. And so if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review. I'm Tanya Hart. This is Hollywood Live Extra. Hollywood Live Extra, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.